We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Mavs fans. It is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bowe coming to you once again with another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. I'm coming to you live on Friday night. It's about 11.05 my time on the East Coast. The Mavericks have just escaped uh, against the San Antonio Spurs 122 to 117. Josh, what is going on? Nothing much. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, this was a really good Mavericks game through three quarters, and then the last 12 minutes are a little uh suspect. But hey, they are over 500 and got a good win against the division rival. So, what's not to like? You know, I don't, say? <laughs> I, I don't really know where to start with this one because I think. <laughs> I think the the broad base takeaway is that it's really nice to see the Mavericks pull up out of an absolute tailspin. That that's probably the thing that we should should start with because that was a game last year's Mavericks lost, um, and they did so a lot. So the you know it's it kind of nice to see them to see them come up out of out of their tailspin, so to speak. Um, Brunson hit a really big three, which was great after no Maverick other than Luca scored between the six eighteen mark of the fourth quarter and that shot. So almost six full minutes with no other Mavericks scoring. And it's not like Luca didn't try. And, and it, it it's, it's, you know, I want to talk about that in a bit, but it, you know, just seeing them kind of come out of it really was relieving. I was really, I really wasn't in the mood to be angry me on a podcast, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. And boy, was it, it was setting up for like, we were about to be an angry Kirk wheelhouse. We were going to play sure. all the hits if uh, that kept going the way it looked like it was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was nice to see, you know, the Brunson shot obviously was huge and it was good. <laughs> Luca's reaction, I think, was all of our reaction as well. Yes. Just, he was like, <laughs> 
he was so pumped up because he was like, you motherfuckers, how many times you missed these shots? But he was, but like in a happy way, he was just happy that he made it. I would have feared for every Maverick in the locker room if Brunson missed that shot and the Mavericks would have lost that game. Um, but also besides that, uh, how sweet was that move that he scored on that little turnaround uh, short bank shot when he got against LaMarcus Aldridge? I mean, a year ago, that's Luca kind of dribbling the possession out and then launching a, a step back twenty nine footer, right? So, Ooh, man, he had he had two fourth quarter bank shots mm-hmm. that I kept saying were to honor Tim Duncan um, <laughs> because they were from that little like almost short corner area, just just things of beauty watching him yeah. shoot that sort of thing. He had a you know, Luca had a really interesting game. He had 19, 6, and 5 after the first quarter. And the fact that he finished with 36, 9, and 11 means he only got, you know, three rebounds after the first quarter. He only got six assists after the first quarter. He kept scoring the ball pretty well. I, some games I'm really hard on Luca because I expect a lot out of him. This is a game where his teammates have to show up some of the shots that these guys are missing are just embarrassing. And I know it's the back end guys. Wesley Wundu is three of 18 from three this season. And all of his shots have been open. Yeah. Like, you are an rough. NBA player. And that he's better. Than, I mean, history shows he's better than that. So oh. that's, that's just like, I don't know what it is. That's hard. Some hard, hard regression or, or something. Cause in three years in Orlando, he was not, he was not an elite three-point shooter. He was not a great three-point shooter, but he was not three for 18. But uh, So that was tough. But well, James well, Johnson missed that layup, I think, in well, the third quarter. Or fourth, or maybe fourth quarter. I can't, I mean, it might have been the beginning parts of James the James Johnson quarter. is a trash can right now. He he has <laughs> – I, I, I dug up just his box scores to kind of look at what's happening with him. First of all, he's 11 of 41 from three on the season, which is fucking terrible. Uh, you know stop like this Dwight Powell levels of garbage but not only that in three out of his last four games he finished negative 19 against Chicago negative 20 against Toronto he was plus six against Indiana which is nice but then in this game again he's negative uh yeah here he is he's he's negative where is it I just had it pulled up negative 15 that's bad. Like <laughs> you, when you only play 20 something minutes, you're basically getting outscored a point a minute when you're on the floor. Like that's a tire fire type thing. And I don't know if they're just using him incorrectly. I would rather see him play more I, earlier in the season. I wanted to see him play uh point guard. Uh, and now I don't want to see him dribble. So <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's, he's, he made some good plays tonight, but then, you know, he had the missed layup. He was 2 of 7. He was 0 of 3 from that 3. Behind the back thing to end the third quarter yes, almost was, had me chunk my tail. Like, very, like, that was one, very oh. bad turnover. One of the threes he missed, he he airballed a corner three from the other side of the rim. Like, he, shot, <laughs> he airballed it far, far side, uh, which mm. is really – that's a hard to do. I bet you if you've had some – data nba data people track that i guarantee you don't see that many threes missed just like that so yeah he is he's not too great uh offensively he's rebounding eh, and his defense his defense is and i mean it's just nice that they have uh a guy his size that can at least has the on paper ability to do things as opposed to where they were just forcing guys that we knew couldn't do things, try to do things in the last couple of years. Cause you know, right. he's a better player than what he's shown, even if 
uh, maybe our preseason expectations for him were a little out of whack. He's still better than what what he's showing us right now, and he's had better games in this in this season. Uh, like that Indiana game, he was pretty good against Indiana. So, yeah, it's rough. He plays a lot of four, and the Mavericks are just like – this might tie into the Kristaps thing, but the if you play the four right now in Carlisle's offense, you're just – not asked to do a whole lot and so it almost feels like johnson's forcing the issue a little bit when he does get his opportunities uh because you know with the right now the way the mavericks play it's the five who screens who sets like all the screens basically unless they do some some neat things like you know get a small to set a screen to try to get some fun mismatches but otherwise like the four you know, we watch Maxi Kleba and we watch when Kristaps plays mm-hmm. the four. The four is basically just stand in the corner, space the floor, you know, move without the ball. And, you know, Johnson is very much a guy who needs the ball in his hands. So backup five might be a nice way to maybe get him out of his slump because then he'd be, you know, I'd love to see him set some screens for Luca, like more screens for Luca as the only big so he can roll into space and try to find shooters when he gets the ball at the free throw line. Kind of like, like use him like a mini Draymond. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I said that before, but I mean – we are kind of harping on a guy who played who's like the I know I know <laughs> it's just like I keep waiting for somebody to step up and they just aren't and that's very Brunson. frustrating Brunson yeah Brunson played well Last no, two that's games. true that's true two games in a row from Brunson I yeah. I, I I'm wrong on that one I just <laughs> it's it's a little painful to me to to watch this sort of stuff like when Luca's doing those high screen rolls because for some reason they were using a one do as a screener it was essentially oh, a man. soft double yeah. And, you know, if the Mavericks would have lost that game, I would have cooked Coach Carlisle because that was some severe overcoaching in the fourth quarter where they were doing, like, seeking out a specific matchup that I understand why, but, you know, you do it three times in a row and it doesn't work. Go to something else. Good God. Yeah, I was a little, uh, I think I said this on Twitter, I was mystified. I don't think, I mean, I'll have to go back and check, but I do not think in the final moment when Luca and Kristaps were on the floor in the fourth quarter, I do not think we got any Luca KP pick and rolls. No. Um, no. That seems out, that's outrageous to me. And I know, you know, maybe he was being guarded by Rudy Gay and maybe the Mavericks did not want to switch uh, Rudy Gay onto Luca, but then, you know, I, they're your two best players. You, you can't let Kristaps be a bystander uh, sure. for an entire quarter in crunch time. Like you just, you got to figure it out. You maybe you do some off-ball screens to get someone else guarding KP, and then you have KP set the screen. It was just like you said, using a one do, which made sense well, to try to get. Should have been playing like yeah. like I, that's where I was because the one do was. It's not like the one do was guarding DeRozan. Because Luca would get the switch, and Luca wanted to keep the switch, which I really—that's something I would like. Like I, I, we don't talk about enough—is Luca taking um, defensive challenges. But if if your goal is to have the defender out there, and the defender's not guarding the guy who's actually doing a lot of the offense, what is the point? So he was just a net negative on both sides of the ball, in in my opinion. And I I don't understand that kind of thing. Right after you know the game before, I wanted to play two minutes. So what are we seeing that's different? I mean, I know the I know the Spurs have all kind of rangy guys, but I'd like to see Green get a little bit of a shot here. He's not going to do anything like he's not going to do any worse than a one do. I don't know. I'm I'm probably over harping on on these on these backing guys, but to see Lucas start the game like he did and these guys just not finish shots is it's making Luca visibly upset on the court, and it 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 bleeds into his play in other areas where he starts making some kind of rash decisions on offense. Or he's he's not really good enough on defense, 
And I, you know, for a guy who's 21, it's kind of hard to knock him on these sorts of things. I wish he wouldn't do it, but I completely understand it because when you watch a guy blow another corner three, or you watch a, you know, Willie Cauley Stein, as you, as you spoon feed him at the rim and he misses another and one like finish the ball, big fella. I, and, and uh, I don't know again, the Mavs won, so I shouldn't be this frustrated, but it's just, <laughs> you're pretty fired up. Well, because they play again tomorrow night, and Luca played thirty six minutes in a game he should have played twenty five. Yeah, they, this had like they should have been they should have been up fifteen with like eight like seven minutes left in the fourth quarter and started wrap, winding things down for sure. I think that's why I'm fired up because yeah. tomorrow night's Rockets game has trouble written all over it, um, and and I'm a little and, and so I'm thinking ahead and projecting. I'm probably being a bit of an ass about that. It's it is what it is. Like like you know. Brad Townsend today talked about how two of the Mavericks who aren't coming back are apparently quite ill or have not been, you know, doing very well. Like we don't know showing anymore. symptoms, showing symptoms, and to the point to where it's, you know, I don't want to say concerning, but that's why they're not back. And if the Mavericks have to continue to play like this, let's say for another week, that's three to four more games, and at a certain point, somebody else. You know, the Mavericks, I just really feel like they kind of escaped tonight. And and that, I hate that they kind of escaped because they played a good game for roughly 40 of the 48 minutes. Yeah, they did. And before we, you know, Kristaps had a great, had a pretty good game uh, offensively till he just didn't really get much going in the fourth quarter. Uh, it was really interesting. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Kirk, but I don't think the Spurs put Aldridge on Kristaps once. Uh, at least willingly, maybe he got there on, on a on a switch or a mismatch. But in terms of like when the Spurs had their offense set, I think they had a small on Kristaps the entire game. They did, uh, yeah. And, and and it makes sense. Like if you're the Spurs coming into it, they they basically played the odds. They probably you know they're they're not idiots. They have more data than we could ever access publicly. They see the post up numbers for Kristaps, and they're like, man, this guy cannot score in post ups. Well, Aldridge is a little shaky uh defensively in space let's put him on one of their non-shooters because they're going to start josh green or, or they're going to play west of Wundu. they're going to play you know Jane, they're going to play james johnson they're going to play all these non-shooters let's put aldridge on that and we're not going to worry about it because kp can't score in the post in in, in, in post-up situations like that made sense that was actually a pretty smart move uh yeah. to start this game and credit to Kristaps, uh kirk he had multi i mean he made he only made three threes so three Three of his seven buckets were three, so he had four shots inside the uh, three-point line. And at least a handful, like two or three of them, I think, were him catching the ball against a smaller defender and maybe one dribble or no dribble, just turning, facing, and firing and, and hitting, doing the thing that I know you you plead for him to do a lot of the time. So, yep. uh, I mean, credit for Kristaps, because if he had a bat, like, you know, think about uh, how he played against the Knicks last season or how he played earlier in the season when when they tried to force feed him post-ups if he had a game like that tonight the Mavericks might have this might be a completely different story for this game sure. so sure I credit Kristaps for handling that pretty well he was pretty efficient considering the Spurs were basically inviting him to take the worst shots in his game he's so much better when he's balanced and when when little guys knock him off balance, it's a little bit of a mess. And and the Spurs were able to do that a few times, but yeah. not enough. And right. that's really all that all that matters. I will say to be the Debbie Downer, 
watching the seven foot three guy not be able to guard the rim and then also not go get a few very gettable boards for him was kind of painful. And something about the way he was moving makes me wonder if the Mavericks medical staff and then the coaching are all are kind of telling him like, hey, don't don't lose your mind on some of these long rebounds. Because, you know, the movement there is kind of awkward. There was one that there's one three pointer that careened all the way out to the three point line. Rudy Gay grabbed it and just shot it over Porzingis, who kind of haphazardly challenged. And it made me really mad because the effort just looked non existent at the time. But I, I just, I can't help but think that that's not like that little effort feels purposeful, if that makes sense. Um, I could be completely overthinking it and like maybe letting him off the hook but there's just a few things like that where i'm just like this guy is too good at some of this stuff to let these things happen now the rim defense he's been pretty rough for a couple of games i i can't help but think if that's like an, an issue of um kind of team cohesion and who he's playing with but yeah. he just you know for the tall guy I, he's you know yeah, i don't know I did notice. I, I mean, I don't. I don't have. I don't have a too strong opinion either way. But I did. I think I said this in Slack. He did look a little slow, uh-huh. just moving. Like he just looked one step slower on the defensive end because you know normally you know he does you know dating back to last season he's he was a good rim protector for them. So I don't know what it was tonight specifically. You know, maybe like you said, bet set. He if the, if he's going to play tomorrow back to back, maybe he was thinking about that Ooh. and trying to conserve energy when he could. Who knows? Uh, I was just, just to be frank, I was just smitten. I almost felt like I didn't really care what else happened. I was just smitten that he was able to handle the Spurs defensive strategy as well as he did. I feel like that was just a huge stepping, stepping stone for him. Uh, And I guess like Kirk, Chris stops at the five. I wonder if it's still matchup dependent because the Mavericks have played the Spurs and the Pacers, two teams back to back that did not have a second big start. So it made the decision kind of easier. But what do you think going forward? Do you think like after the results we're seeing with him at the five and this is going back all the way to last season, do they ever go back to two to two centers or like what do you think is going to happen here? I'll answer that in a second, but I wanted to read this quote okay. that Rick Carlisle just gave uh, in the in the postgame press conference that uh, speaks to some of the Chris Porzingis post-ups tonight. And he said that Luca called those post-ups in the flow of the game. He felt that Chris Stapps uh, needed to touch against a smaller guy. KP made some very good decisions, got a bucket or two. So look, in the flow of the game, when it's our leader out there making the call, I'm good with it. On a steady, regular basis, it's a tough play. And he was talking about like post-up in general. It's become a play that's generally been unproductive uh, play in the league. But tonight, I thought we got good mileage out of it. So that that goes to that really does play into your your question about the five. And I can't help but think it's going to be matchup dependent. Mm-hmm. This is so tough. You know, you wrote a column today about how we don't really know who these Mavericks are with all these injury, like like injury, COVID, like all this sort of description. And I think it's really, it really tracks. Um, and so with, with these sorts of things, I'm going to be interested to see what they do because I'm not sure against the Lakers what they do here because the Lakers yeah. are a different defensive team. They, you know, you can't, and nobody can guard Anthony Davis, for example. So it's like, what do you like, which, so which is your strength? I would prefer just based on the kind of basketball I like to watch. I would prefer if they ran KP at five, but I also understand why that's such a tough call 
because when the offense isn't humming just so, the defense gets absolutely exposed, which is kind of what happened in the fourth quarter against the Spurs. Yeah, and I wondered, is the splitting the difference with Maxi? I'm sure everyone, anyone who's listening right now is going, Maxi, mm. you start Maxi with KP, you idiots, because I'm sure, you know, you basically get to play KP at the five because Maxi is totally comfortable playing stretch four, um, and then you can let Kristaps uh, initiate all, well, not initiate, but run all the pick and rolls with Luca. So, I mean, that's probably going to, that's probably going to be what the answer is, I would imagine. Uh, I wonder if that mean, you know, because if that happens, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Rick goes back to Tim Hardaway Jr. on the bench, because that's originally kind of what happened. They put uh, Maxi in in the starting lineup with Willie Colley Stein before KP came back and Hardaway went to the bench. But he really only got went to the bench for a game or so because uh, all the COVID stuff struck and he kind of had to play again. So I'll be curious if that happens because I can't imagine, you know, Dorian or Josh Richardson coming off the bench when those guys are back and healthy. So that'll be interesting to see. I think, the you know, Maxi makes the most sense because, I mean, he can still hit shots and he's versatile enough that he can guard an Anthony Davis type and he can not – like if he played – Tonight against the Spurs, you wouldn't feel like too bad about him playing against Rudy Gay, who played a lot of four down the stretch. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I think that's probably going to be the answer. But you're right. It might be matchup dependent. It would not shock me if we got a KP Colley Stein starting game again in the next week if the Mavericks play against a two big team. So uh, we'll see. But I think it's, I don't know if there's any argument though that offensively at least it's kp at the five like that's the way that's the thing that's how you unlock his game right now offensively is play him as the five i mean the the willie minutes are so interesting because when willie plays well he plays really well and when he plays poorly i want to eject him into space (laughs) yeah there's you know there's there's not kind of a hope and and there's just a, the the four or the five, whoever isn't, you know, getting the ball in, in that Mavericks offense, that person has to do a lot of beyond the box score stuff. And, you know, everybody hates Dwight Powell right now because he can't jump. But Powell runs around, sets screens, does little things, tips, rebounds. If you if you watch Willie, he when he's not engaged, he is just a floater. And he has, when he is engaged, he's kind of, you know, he's really entertaining to watch, but it's just that that sort of thing comes and goes. So I, I wonder if to an extent the Mavericks have to, you know, Carl's really a slave to rotations, which he should be. That's, it's a long season, but something with Willie makes me think that if they're going to play him more, they need to have a, I don't want to call it like a, a short leash. Cause that's not fair, but it has to be a little more based on feel because when Willie is bad, he just gets cooked. Uh, the start of the Denver game uh, is one that sticks in my head. And, and, you know, Willie came back and actually rebounded, played really well down the stretch in that game. I, he's a capable ball player. So it's, it's just kind of tough for me because I don't think they really want KP to get the, 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 um, just kind of the, the grind at five because it's, yeah. You know, it, it really can wear you down over time, banging on on you know other all sorts of post players. So it's it's really it's it's a it's a good question. I think we're gonna you know see a lot of mixing and matching as the year goes on. Um, you know, you mentioned something earlier, which I think is important that the Mavericks got a win over a division 
opponent, which I also agree. I think I'm checking the standings right now. The Mavericks are now 2-0 in their division. The fact that they can't believe they played 15 games so far and only played two, um, two division games. But that sort of stuff might actually matter with the way if you if you look at the West, the fourth seed uh, Suns are eight and five, and the thirteenth uh, seed Rockets are nine and uh, five and nine. That's you know that's a two three and a half game difference, and I, I think things are going to stick kind of closely. So I'm going to be you know watching games like this and the the Rockets game tomorrow night. Frankly, is 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 pretty important. Um, it's only the Mavs' fifth road game of the year or uh, home game of the year, which is a little weird. Uh, <laughs> we talked about that a time or five, but uh, you know, it's 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 good to see. You know, the Mavs kind of walk away with the W. I have been, you know, pretty complainy in this podcast just because I, I it, it was like a stressful win. You know, I would have liked. I'm like, I'm not going to go to bed till like two in the morning now because I'm so like jacked after the end of that game because it was so, <laughs> just the way it's just the way I am with sports stuff. But 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 man, I, Kirk. Um... Doesn't it go to show like when we were talking about the Mavericks and the when they started two and four and when they had the losing streak and we were just like, then they're getting good looks and they just cannot, you know, we still think the process is okay. They're just not getting the results they want from from shooting wise. That first half kind of was like, yep, this is this is what it looks like when when guys make shots. They look like world beaters. Yeah. They just wouldn't guard anybody, you know, <laughs> but the Spurs were also shooting 70% from three. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we should probably not talk anymore because, uh, you know, this, this <laughs> podcast is only going to have a shelf life of uh, like 24 hours before no one cares. We'll be right back uh, at it. Oh, yeah. We'll be right back at it. As always, uh, we really appreciate the the listens and the comments. Um, I've been getting a little more feedback, really, really funny feedback, frankly, about why people don't listen when the Mavericks lose. And I respect all of these choices because when I like, I just dive deep into sports stuff whenever, like, I just want to like read everything, but some people are just like, no, on to the next one. So it's, it's been great <laughs> kind of interacting with our, with our uh, listeners on this. We appreciate the feedback. Again, these five-star reviews or really any kind of review on iTunes or whatever your podcast description really helps us. Uh, I think when we get, a, you know, if there's ever a break in, in games, I think we may need to take like more of a, a mailbag approach and, and, and really, you know, talk about some of the things you guys want to talk about. But until then, Josh and I will be back in about 24 hours because tomorrow night <laughs> starts at 8 p.m. Central, which shoot me in the face. But what are you going to do? Hey, at least it's a it's a Saturday, not a not a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. It is. It is. Oh, well, it'll be fun. We'll be back on uh, then. And until then, everybody stay out of trouble and have a good night. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.